Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast, featuring dream-accelerating inspiration. I'm Jeff Meyer, your host, author, entrepreneur, and coach. My goal with this podcast is to help you identify and clarify your own dream by taking wisdom from others' successes and challenges. If you're looking to take action on your dream, to make a difference doing something you love, but your fears are holding you back, then this podcast is for you. If you're interested in finding additional support, you can also check out my Dream Accelerator coaching program designed to help realize your full potential and reshape your future. As always, you can learn more about my Dream Accelerator program at jeffmeyer.org. Using my Dream Accelerating formula, heart-centered entrepreneurs can focus on their dream, name their fears, change their mindset, define their next, and move forward anyway. Welcome back, fellow dreamers, to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast. I am your host, Jeff Meyer, and today I'm very excited to be talking with um, a colleague, an entrepreneur, a coach who has helped me actually in my business pursuit, and I'm so finally grateful to have her on. I have been trying for a while, and now we're ready. And Sarah Young, thank you today for joining us. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Excellent. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me, and am delighted to be here with you. So as you said, I'm Sarah, and my company is Zen Collaborative, which I started in 2013. Prior to that, I was in the corporate world and had a chance to do a lot of different things at that time. Um, but the thing that always was most joyful for me was uh, leading leading people and um, the opportunity to coach people um, in that space. So after doing that for quite a while and um, working in a number of different roles in the corporate space, I decided um, in 2013 to pivot out of that space and start my business so that I could um, focus on developing people and developing leaders full-time and have been doing that uh, since that point. So coming up on nine years uh, this May, which is kind of wild. Congratulations. That's Thank a you. significant accomplishment to get to nine years of Thank you. growing your business. So let me just start out with, tell me about the name Zing Collaborative. Mm. How did you land on that name and what does it represent for you? Mm, great question. So when I was thinking about the business, I started by thinking about what's the feeling that I hope uh, will be cultivated through the work that I'm doing with people. And I had this sense of aliveness and vitality and did some exploration around that feeling. And so that's how the word um, Zing came into play. And when I first started my business, it was actually called Zing Coaching. And then I quickly realized uh, pretty early on in my business that I was I was doing coaching and that that's a big part of what I do. And also um, I was doing a lot of leadership development and people development and a lot of things that were not coaching. So after a couple of years, I decided to um, pivot from Zing Coaching to Zing Collaborative. And in hindsight, um, I don't think it was actually the best name for my business because I've realized that there are all sorts of things called Zing or, you know, Zinger or all sorts <laughs> of different things with the word Zing in them that are other yeah. companies' names. But um, it's been a while now, so I'm I'm still just rolling with it. <laughs> and you've made it. You've made it your own. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Exactly. So, okay, so you're in the corporate world. You're doing coaching. You're you're feeling the 
uh, the joy in helping people come to their own solutions. I know your approach to coaching, helping people by asking powerful questions. Um, I use the I use the word picture. It's not an athletic coach that we think of. It's a it's Cinderella's coach. Uh Take someone from point A, a beautiful person from point A to point B, right? Mm. That's the way you approach coaching. I know that about Mm. you because that's the way you approached our relationship, business relationship as we worked through some stuff that I had to work through in, in launching my business. So why did you decide to leave corporate and pursue this full-time? It's hmm. a great question. And, and thanks for your words. And I love that. I love that analogy of, of Cinderella's coach. That's so great. Um, I would say it was, it was threefold. Um, so on the positive side, I always got a lot of joy from, from coaching people and seeing the impact of helping team members kind of find that sweet spot of what they're best at and how they can use their strengths and how they can um, use use their strengths in service of something greater for the company. So I always got a lot of joy from those conversations where, you know, a team member would come in and we would kind of try to figure out how can we best leverage that person as a team member, um, which also ended up being the most joyful for them so that they could be contributing, you know, in a way that that felt aligned with their own strengths and their values. So that was always really exciting, um, kind of on the positive side. On the more challenging side, I started to observe a trend that I got really fired up about, which was that oftentimes when we looked around the corporate space and we saw people struggling, um, you know, we we held people to really high standards, which was amazing. Um, and oftentimes there was something that was either happening or not happening with that person's leader that was contributing to, you know, how that person was doing in their job. And so I got really passionate about how can we elevate the the capacity of our leaders and how can we hold leaders to really high standards as well, not just their team members, but also the leaders and the managers. And that's when I started seeing just this this very significant need for um, coaching and development of of leaders. So we had a lot of really good things in place. And also, um, you know, many of us get into leadership roles because we're good at our core job. And what the research has said is, being good at our core job does not actually um, indicate whatsoever if we're going to be a good manager of people. And so, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, so that I just got really fired up about that and really passionate about that and um, really wanted to sit in that space of supporting leaders as a way to to support their team members. So that was sort of part number two. And then um, I guess the third piece is a little bit more woo-woo perhaps, but um, several years into my time in the corporate world, I had done a yoga teacher training and um, that was something really different than the work I was doing every day, you know, in IT. And as part of that yoga teacher training, um, we were studying Ayurveda, which is an ancient kind of wellness and well-being uh, philosophy that comes out of India. And long story short, I went in for a, for a consultation, an Ayurvedic consultation, um, which I thought we were going to just be talking about herbs and um, basically like herbs to put in my tea. And, um, (laughs) I sat sat down for this consultation and, uh, I I remember this moment so vividly and I probably always will, but I sat down in the chair across from the practitioner. And the first question she asked me was, Sarah, what's your 10 year vision for your life? And 
out of nowhere, out of nowhere, just completely shocking to me. I just, I just was overcome with tears and they just erupted out of me. And I was, I just started crying uncontrollably and I, I had no idea where they had come from. But what I realized in that moment was the vision that came up for me in that, in that moment, when she asked that question was so different than what I was living at that time. And so it felt really misaligned. And so mm. that happened. And, you know, I went back to my corporate job and, um, and went back to doing what I was doing. And then a few years later, um, had this, had this moment where this clarity came to me, which was the vision that had come to me several years earlier. Um, that's what I was meant to be doing. Um, and that was very different than, than the corporate work that I was doing. So long story short, I didn't, I didn't put those two things together at the time, but I think that the vision for my business, the seeds had been planted, but I just didn't know what form it was meant to take. And then it wasn't until 2013, when I discovered coaching and started um, journeying down that path, did I realize, oh my gosh, this was the vision I had. I just didn't know the form at that time. So it was kind of a combination of those things. <laughs> and that is, that is really, really neat. I want to ask a couple questions. One is, so I, when working in our dream accelerator program, the word I've used for people is there's a commonality that people have had a dream I don't know what word you would use in your situation, but they've buried it mm-hmm. or covered it up because of pressure to perform in their current business or fears of not making enough money, not being able to survive or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back. It's relentless. Mm-hmm. The dream is it just keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And then you have, and then there's usually a, a pivotal moment. Um, where in your moment was sitting across from that practitioner that it just emotionally, it, it, you either, you either kill it at that point or you embrace it. Mm-hmm. And some people kill it and they mm-hmm. numb themselves and they don't move forward. And I've used the word unsettled, but I loved your word. You use the word misaligned. Mm. Mm-hmm. You discovered that your life was misaligned. And you are no longer willing to live with that limp or that mm-hmm. <laughs> what we do when we're misaligned, you know, mm-hmm. when our when our spine's out of alignment, we hurt, we we protect it or whatever. Um, the car's misaligned, it it mm. wobbles or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so many people settle for misalignment. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I'm doing this podcast because I don't want people to settle for misalignment anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got to that moment, you left with your, with your herbal tea <laughs> and then what happened? Yeah. Well, first I just, I love the way you said that. I love the word unsettled and I love that analogy of like the limp or the heart spine. And I think that's so powerful and it can be so easy to do that. And that's basically what I did after the the herbal tea conversation, which was I had this, you know, massive eruption of emotion. I had this, you know, oh crap moment where I saw this vision. It was so clear. I could see myself, I could see myself, you know, sitting down with people one-on-one. I could see myself standing in front of a room. I could see this whole vision. I could feel it. it felt so clear. And it was very different than what I was doing at that time. 
And then I went back to my job, you know, kind of to, mm-hmm. to use your language, I kind of buried, buried the dream. Um, and at that time, I think it was for me, I, I didn't know what it was. I could, I could see, I could see it and I could feel it, but I didn't know what form it was meant to take. So mm-hmm. part of it for me was I didn't have the clarity around the form that it was meant to be in. Um, and to, to go back to your example, I think a lot of it was all of those other things, right? I had a really amazing job at an amazing company. I loved my colleagues, you know, making good money, good benefits, all these things. So there was like that squashing of there's the squashing of the dream. So to, to add just one more point of woo-woo to, to this story, mm-hmm. um, which relates very much to what you're saying. So I did that. I went back. Um, I kept doing what I was doing. I felt that misalignment. You know, I felt that little bit of um, kind of that settled feel, unsettled feeling. And for me, the way that that was presenting was um, I noticed that there was a, in certain situations to show up, you know, to show up in a way that I thought I needed to show up. I was, I was abandoning myself a little bit in these moments, right. Where I was stepping outside of my values in service of an Mm. external context. And, you know, I I think sometimes we all need to do that a little bit here and there, and it's not that big of a deal, but I was noticing, I was doing that from time to time. And I did not like how that felt. And I noticed I was doing it more and more. And I was noticing that kind of that chasm within myself where I felt myself, you know, stepping outside of my values. And I had another, oh crap moment where I realized, you know, if I keep doing this, I might not be able to find my way back. So if I keep abandoning myself Mm. in service of these external contexts, like um, what if I can't return to that place? And what if I don't remember, (laughs) you know, my, my core and my, my center. So I did that for a while. And um, there was, there was one day a few years later where you know, I was, I was sitting in a conversation across the desk from my leader at that time. And we were inside. Um, It was March. And in that moment, this is ironic um, because it was actually, it was good Friday um, of that year. It Mm -hmm. felt as though the clouds parted and like this light came shining through. And I just, I heard myself say, um, I'll be done on May 1st. And I didn't actually choose to say those words. It was as if they just came through me. And so that was the moment for me that, um, to use your language, it was like, I had been squashing the dream, but the dream just busted out of me. And then I found myself saying those words. So it, it, it's almost like it wouldn't, it wouldn't stay buried anymore. And and at that point I didn't have any control over it. It just, it just came out. (laughs) Wow. And did you then, were you then done on May 1st? Um, yeah, so I had put in my notice at the end of March. It was that good on Good Friday, um, and wow. then uh, which is always just kind of makes makes me chuckle looking back. And then um, May first was my last day, and then um, I was in the small business development center on May third. Um, you know, saying I'm going to start a business, and I I filed this paper. Uh, did I do it right? You know. <laughs> so two days later, I did that. <laughs> so the small business development center at UW's campus, or yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a great resource for those of us who are local. That's that's great. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Good Friday, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's there's something, there's some truth there that we have to be willing to die, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to to really live. Um yeah. anyway, we could explore that more, but mm. that's amazing. So then you march out into the small business development center. on on campus and learn what it means to start a new business. And what were some of the emotions that you were up against that you were facing 
after you walked out of that safe, comfortable, settled place, even though you were losing yourself slowly in a corporate world. I'm imagining, knowing my own story, that um, there are all kinds of emotions still happening when you launch the new thing. Mm, Absolutely. Yes. Uh, such a good question. Um, so I think for me, one of them was, was grief. Um, and you know, I chose to leave. I was so excited about what I was creating. And also I had worked at my company for, um, you know, quite, quite a long time. I had really, you know, relationships that I really valued. Um, I really respect still to this day. I really respect the company. I respect the leaders there. I respect, um, you know, the culture, all these things. And so, um, walking away from that after putting so much of myself into it, um, there was that feeling of grief. And uh, when I was working with my first coach at that time, she put it in a context for me that I found so useful, which was moving through a colored spectrum from, from red to orange, to yellow, to green. And uh, when I was talking to her about these feelings that I couldn't quite place, uh, she said, it's okay, Sarah, you know, you're just, you're still in the red and over time you'll move into orange and, and yellow and, and eventually green. But um she, she was sort of giving me permission to be in that place of red, having just left this thing that I had put so much of myself into, um, you know, and, and then stepping out into something new. So there, there was definitely that feeling of, of grief and loss, um, even though it was like, it was my own choice to step forward in that way. And I was very excited. It still had that tenderness. Um, and then for me, there was a lot of, you know, unraveling and I'd be curious to, to hear your perspective on this too. Um, of just expectations around what success looks like. So mm. <laughs> I remember, I'm actually remembering a few conversations we had mm-hmm. in the summer months mm-hmm. about my own perspective of what success mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. I remember you had a couple stern words for me sometimes, <laughs> as, as stern as you get. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we have a hard time of embracing the reality that we're in as success and celebrating the the steps forward because we have we have big plans right we have Mm -hmm. big dreams Mm -hmm. so say more about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) every memory of those conversations though yes yes exactly yeah and you know for me at that time I had a story in my head that I would feel successful when I got to a certain revenue number and that revenue number had nothing to do with anything other than, you know, a story that I was carrying with me from my old career. So I, I had that Mm. story in my head and, and at the time, at the beginning, um, I wasn't doing anything legitimate unless I had, had reached this certain number. Um, so that was, that was interesting to notice. Um, another thing that was really present for me in the first year or so of my business was, um, just what I interpreted as people's, projections or understanding of what I was doing. So um, Mm. there were many moments in the first year after I'd started my business. And I think the intent was really good, but people would say things like, so you're like a life coach now, or like, oh, you're a life coach. Is that just so amazing? Um, so you're like a life coach. And there, there were all these questions and, you know, they're like, you're a life coach. Is that, is that just like the most amazing thing ever? And, um, is everything just awesome? Is your business so good? Is your business going amazingly well? And, you know, the truth was in the first few months of my business, no, my business was not going amazingly well. You know, I wasn't making any money. Like I didn't have any clients, you know, it's like, um, and so how do you answer that question in those exchanges? And then, Mm -hmm. 
you know, this idea of what a life coach is, especially since like a lot of industries, there's not a lot of regulation. There's not a lot of, you know, any old person can be a life coach if they say they're a life coach. So I had a lot of um, unpacking to do around that too, in terms of what, what is integrity for me around being a coach? Well, it's, you know, doing this training and doing these certifications and, you know, taking this approach and building a business in a way that feels in alignment for me um, and kind of finding my own way and um, letting go of some of those projections that I interpreted real or real or perceived um, in those early months of my, my business. <laughs> oh man, these, that so resonates with my experience as well. Mm. I, I mean, life coach, life coach. Well, yeah. for me, it's uh, when I talk about the dream accelerator, I get a lot of times I get these glazed over look and sometimes mm-hmm. I'll get a bold person. I'll go. So you're, you're a Christian pastor and you're doing this. So are you helping people with their, like their dreams they have at night? And I go, well, uh, uh-huh. um, n- n- no. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> although, I mean, people do have dreams at right. night about <laughs> their dreams. So right. I guess maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to, you're trying to describe something that is movable. It is infinite it's not a finite game it's an infinite game you're trying to describe something that's squishy Mm -hmm. it's not um concrete always and i know we work through some of that in our coaching Mm -hmm. it's like to find the right messaging and the right Mm -hmm. right niche of who well everybody if i believe everybody has a dream how do i narrow the niche it's just Mm -hmm. it's really a challenge to cut through the noise in this world to be heard Mm. to be seen so that you can have clients, right? Mm. So now you're nine years into this. Talk to me about some of the favorite clients, some of the some of the moments that you just go, this is me realizing that 10-year dream that flooded out of me um, nine years ago. Mm. Yeah, thank you for that question. And I just thank you for acknowledging what has felt true for you around this too. And, um, you know, just for others listening, I I think what we're both talking about is something that feels so common, um, whatever it is we're starting, whether it's a new business or coaching or whatever it is, um, you know, just those expectations and the baggage that we bring with us and, you know, finding our way. So, um, I, I appreciate you, you sharing that as well. Um, I think, you know, for me, I'll, maybe I'll share two examples that are, um, there's a through line, but they, they're kind of different in how they present. So, um, you know, one of the things that I do in my work is I lead women's coaching circles. And for me, those are just incredibly joyful where I get to be surrounded by, you know, amazing women who are doing amazing things in the world and are really heart centered and and compassionate. And for me, those circles are such a reminder of the gift that I, that the gift in the fact that I get to do this work, um, because they're just, they're so joyful and, um, they're so inspiring for me to witness, you know, what each of these women is doing as, as she goes out into the world, you know, individually and in her work and her life. So, um, sitting in those circles and, and looking around, um, those are often moments for me where I I have that, um, have that feeling. Um, I also often have that feeling when I'm, uh, working with teams within the corporate space. Um, I work a lot in construction and manufacturing, and um, I love, you know, being in a room of 
leaders where people are coming from the office, people are coming from the field. Um, we often have people who, um, you know, they work in pre-construction. We have others who are masons out on the job sites um, and coming together with, um, with these groups of people that don't necessarily work together closely day, day to day, but um, getting to explore these topics around leadership and how each person wants to show up and the kind of impact that they have, that's extremely, um, extremely joyful for me as well. So those are a couple of examples that come to mind, um, you know, when you ask that question. And for, for me now, especially, um, particularly the last few years where um, every, I shouldn't say everything, many things have felt so divided and polarized. Um, mm. I feel really lucky that in my work, um, I get to work with people with a really broad range of views. You know, my my clients are on all sides of the political spectrum. They have all sides of the opinions about all these all these different topics that are going on right now. And and I love all of these humans, you know, so so deeply. And for me, that's been really inspiring. And like that has connected me to a feeling that like a feeling of goodness in the world, even amidst all of the, you know, the polarization and the um, the, the challenge of of these last couple of years. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure along the way in leading this and growing this business, you have um, had moments where it's been really hard. There have been uh, mo- emotions attached to fear. And there maybe have been moments where you wondered, wondered if you should continue to do this. Um, if there's something else. How, what strategies have you used to keep moving forward, pursuing the dream and pursuing helping your who, right? All the who's that you're helping with your why. Mm. Um, what what kind of strategies have you done and implemented to continue to move forward anyway? Mm. Well, I love the way you ask that question because for me, the answer actually lies within within your question, which is focusing on my who. So for me, I find if if I'm having one of those bad days or feeling you know, disconnected from my purpose or feeling like, oh, should we just, should I just throw in the towel? You know, is, is it worth it? Um, it's, it's often if I'm thinking about, you know, things out there, so to speak. So I call it like the ambiguous mini versus the trusted few. So often if I'm having one of those days, it's, I'm more connected to the ambiguous many than I am the trusted few. And I like the way that you ask the question in terms of your who. And so for me, connecting with my clients, talking with the people in my inner circle, you know, talking with my girlfriends, talking with the people who I get to work with every day, talking with, you know, my colleagues. For me, that's, that's a reminder of what I get to do every day. Um, and a really simple, but impactful way to, to reconnect to that. Um, Mm. you know, when I'm on site with my clients and I come home, it's like, Oh yeah, this is why I do what I do. Like this is amazing, <laughs> uh-huh. and it's it's simple, but it's um it's really I don't know for me really powerful. What about you? Like, do you find um wh- what do you do when you when you have those days or you feel that way? That's a great question. This is my podcast. I don't. Have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's the same answer. It's mm. it's being in a moment where you're helping s- someone with what you're designed to help with mm-hmm. or, yeah. or you're being helped. Um, when, when I close the distance, mm-hmm. when I close the gap between the who, the real people, I, I get enjoyment and I get 
motivation to keep going. Mm -hmm. It's when I draw back and isolate myself and just think about the ambiguous many Mm -hmm. that I don't get fueled because I'm too mired in the, no pun intended on my name, (laughs) too mired in the the grandness of the whole Mm -hmm. thing or the Mm -hmm. ultimate. I I write in my first book about stop focusing on the ultimate and focus on the next. Mm. When there's movement, um, Mm -hmm. that's when I keep going. But when I, I I talk about this a lot in the dream accelerator, we overthink things. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're very thoughtful people like Mm -hmm. you are, um, we tend to, we can get trapped in our overthinking Mm -hmm. and that can lead to, distraction, despair, delay, discouragement, all those D words I love to talk about. Um, And the thing that helps me break out is taking action. Mm -hmm. And it's usually with people. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love the way you said that too. close the distance and close the gap. And, you know, I feel like tying that to our world right now too, you know, it's so easy to look out there and think the world is just, it, it, and it is like, there's so much pain and there's so much heartache and there's so much hard stuff. And it's like, what's the smallest thing you can do? What's the smallest action you can take? Could you take some cookies to your neighbor? Could you call someone on the phone? Could you send a text, whatever it is. Um, so I love the way that you said that close the distance and close the gap. And I also really like what you said about action, because I think, you know, there's a time and a place for working through our thoughts and processing and inner dialogue and coaching ourselves and all these things that you and I are both really good at doing <laughs> and also yeah. like, you know, taking that action doing something, making something, putting whatever it is, calling someone um, mm-hmm. often can be a way to get out of that overthinking. So I really like the way that you said that. I, I was on an airplane the other day and uh, took a picture unbeknownst to this lady um, walking down the, getting her seat and uh, she had a big t-shirt on and it said, uh, uh, wait a minute while I overthink this. Yeah. Right? I, I was just like, man, mm-hmm. so many dreamers overthink totally, and they don't take action. So their dreams don't have a chance to live. Mm-hmm. Got to get out of our heads and into the work yes. um, that we're meant to do. So yes. that's really, really, really cool. Mm. Um, you have just accomplished another huge at nine years of growing this business, a huge endeavor. And I know what a big endeavor it is because I've done the same thing. You have just um, published a new book. Yeah. And uh, would you show us the book and tell us the title? And and then we can talk about it a little bit. Yes. Um, so it's called Expansive Impact, An Invitation to Lead in Everyday Moments. Um, and as you and I were chatting about before we hit record, um, it was a journey to get this book into the world as, as I'm sure you're very familiar with, but yeah, really feeling delighted with um, physically how it turned out. So it has some fun little pops of color, um, has some visuals and images. Let's see if I can uh, uh, anyone's it. <laughs> it's like an eye test. Well, I guess you're going to um, have to order yeah. the book to get it. <laughs> exactly. Just a uh, teaser. It's so, a yes. little teaser. <laughs> Yeah. So the writing process, um, is, is not for the faint of heart, is it? So tell me about the biggest challenges you faced and how you didn't give up. (laughs) Mm, 
Yeah. Like I'm ready to publish my next book. And I'm so, I have the same experience with my first book is like, I'm so done with this thing. Mm. I almost don't like it anymore. It's just like, please just get it. Just, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. It's funny. I was, I was um, thinking about that too. Just how many times, how many times have I read this book? You know, is it a couple hundred? Like, (laughs) oh, I totally hear you. Um, And I would, I would love to hear your thoughts on this too, especially having done it twice. Um, I think for me, and and I'm curious if what led you to your books too. Um, For me, I had this, I had this thing that I uh, sort of jokingly referred to as 999 tragedies, which was, I had all of this content um, sitting in all of these random places and I would use it for these various things, but then it would get used one time or a couple of times. And then it would just sort of, you know, sit in my Google drive. And that felt very tragic to me. Um, but at the same mm. time, the, the idea of taking all that content and organizing it and cleaning it up and finding it and doing all the things that felt very overwhelming. So that was sort of my first, my first barrier. And then, you know, something I'm continually working on every day of my life pretty much is how do I prioritize my own projects as much as I prioritize, you know, the priorities of my clients who I love and feel very privileged to get to work, work with. Um, so, you know, creating the container and creating the time for actually writing the book. Um, I had, I had a bit of a, an interesting epiphany. I was, I was nearly done with the book I thought. And as I was reading back through it, something just kept feeling off to me. And after I, after I read it a few times and kept feeling this thing that was just a little bit off, I realized that I had written the book. I had written the book for the slightly wrong audience. So it was still a book for leaders, but I had attempted in my earlier drafts to make the book relatable for all types of leaders, you know, Mm -hmm. in all types of situations. And, um, you know, you talked about the who, the people I work with are generally speaking, highly driven heart-centered leaders. Those are my people. They're both, you know, very impactful and they're also heart-centered and very compassionate. And those are the people that I serve best. And so I realized that I had, I had sort of, I had generalized it just a little bit too much in a way to make it palatable for all. And so I ended up basically starting over (laughs) and I rewrote the whole thing when it was very close to completion. So that was a bit of a a hurdle. Um, (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, the publishing process, um, as you know, it's, it's challenging. And what I've found is across the board, uh, with colleagues, whether, whether people self-publish traditionally publish, um, hybrid publish that process is, um, is challenging. So, um, I think that was maybe the, the, the other barrier. And for me, it definitely, it definitely was a reminder throughout the entire process to, to live the work. And, you know, during those really challenging moments, it was a continuous practice for me to come back to my own philosophy and come back to my own work to say, yes, you're really irritated about this. And also you need to show up in this way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so those were, those were a couple of, um, a couple of things. I don't know what else. What else yeah. The word, <laughs> the word in any entrepreneurial venture, which includes writing a book, the word and is yeah. so <laughs> right. So true. It's not, it's not, or, mm-hmm. It's not like I'm only going to write when I'm feeling joyful or creative. No, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling doldrums. I'm feeling <laughs> stuck yeah. and I'm going to sit down and write. Yes. Mm. Um, oh, that's wonderful. What, what do you hope 
the legacy of the book will be. Why do you want, why do you want it to be successful? What do you mm. hope it accomplishes? Yeah. Um, I think for me, success of the book is simply that the people who are meant to find the book, find the book. And, you know, whether that's two people or 200 people or 20,000 people, or I, I have no idea who that will be, but for me, that would be successful that the people who are meant to find the book and the work within will find their way to it, or it will find their way to them. And that's really the intention that I'm holding is just, um, the way that I've been thinking about it is my goal is to support the book in making a joyful entry into the world. And then what happens from there, I have no idea, but I'm trying to kind of open the door that that can happen in you know whatever way it's meant to happen. And what will I, what will I benefit? What will happen to me if I read your book as I mm. read mm. Now you can't control that, right? You right. can't control the outcome, but what's your hope? Mm. Thank you for that question. I think, um, for me, this book is the book that I wish I would have had a bunch of years ago when I was leading in the corporate world through some really, really, really challenging situations. So a couple of things that I hope readers will glean from the book. Um, number one is, you know, what do I do in those situations where there's not really a, a toolkit or a guidebook, so to speak, um, and not that it's prescriptive in any way, but um, my hope is that it can be a little bit of a guidebook that maybe we can pick up off the shelves if we're navigating something or dealing with a hard situation. Um, so that's one thing. Um, another is how can we change our situation from, for the better, even if nothing around us changes. So the spirit of the book is, you know, what can we impact or influence as leaders and humans, even if nothing else changes out there and all this stuff is going out, not, you know, outside in the world, what can we do, you know, whether mm. it's through our thinking or our mindset or our actions, um, this idea of, you know, looking in the mirror versus outside the window. And then I guess the other part of it would be um, kind of a reflective journey. So the book is very reflective in nature. Um, each chapter ends with some reflection questions and some inquiries. So um, my hope is that it can be sort of a gentle journey for, for people to um, read it at whatever pace works for them. And along the way, pause and, you know, ask and answer some of these questions. So that would be my, my intention and hope. I love, I was writing this down, looking mm -hmm. in the mirror instead of out the window. Mm -hmm. Both of those can be really difficult <clears throat> for deep thinkers like you and me. Mm -hmm. Looking in the mirror can be a difficult proposition because we think too deeply about ourselves mm -hmm. and and looking out the window can be pretty scary too can mm -hmm. it? because we imagine grand vistas and um <laughs> you know uh yeah, yeah. Mm. and yet i think we only can control what we can control mm -hmm. and what we can control is what we're what we're involved in you know as painful as the ukrainian russian thing is i am not going to be able to impact putin mm -hmm. so but what can i do exactly right what can i control in mm -hmm. um, a current example as we're as we're taping this uh yeah. conversation today absolutely um the beginning of march absolutely i i love that example i just read something recently <clears throat> that said something along the lines of the level of anxiety that you experience does not correlate to the, the impact or the outcome, um, you know, in terms of if we're going to be 
feeling stress and anxiety about these things, which of course we will, and it's natural to do so, especially for people who are um, perhaps more, you know, kind of tuned in or sensitive or whatever it is. Um, and that alone, like, you know, feeling, feeling that and taking that on is not going to uh, change the outcome. So it's like, what can we do with that? To your point, what can we control? Um, what to, to go back to what you said a few minutes ago, what action can we take? Um, even if it's tiny, um, from, you know, based on what we're feeling or what we're experiencing. Yeah. Well, this has been a joy to reconnect and, uh, thank you for taking the time to share a little of your journey and the encouragement you bring, um, to so many people and to all the listeners. Um, I'd like to give you a, a last word before I have you tell people how they can get a hold of you. So what would you like to say a final thing that maybe you didn't get a chance to say today to the audience of people who are maybe overthinking their dream or they're longing to do, they see it clearly, but they, as you said, they don't know what form it takes. They mm. don't know they're in that space you were, they don't, they don't know how, how to do it. What mm. would you say to them today? Mm. I think. I love that question. And I guess what I would say is what is the smallest possible step you can take? And often the smallest possible step is even smaller than we think. So, yeah. you know, if, if we think it's applying for a new job, that's actually not the smallest possible step. You know, the smallest possible step might be putting 15 minutes on our calendar next week to update our resume. You know, the smallest possible step might be looking up the phone number of the person we used to work with you know, five years ago, and then tomorrow we can call them. But the smallest possible step is just finding the information we need to take to take the step. So that might be the inquiry I would leave people with, which is, what is what is that smallest possible step? Um, and it might be even smaller than you think. And and it's still you know it's still forward action and it's still creating momentum. Why is that so important? Mm, taking that small action. Hmm. Ah. Oh. That's an awesome question. I mean, I think I, I'm curious if you find this as well, but like often I think when we're, if, if we're thinking about our dream or we're thinking about two choices, it's really easy to, to get stuck in this place of, is it this or that, you know? So for me in the corporate world, should I stay or should I go? Um, should I stay mm -hmm. at this job or should I get a different job? Um, should I launch this program in my business or not? Should I do whatever? It's, it's this or that it's a or B. And often what I find is taking the smallest possible step. It often, it, it either helps inform our choice or it might open up a third path or a middle path or a 16th path that we didn't actually even know about. Um, but we can't discover that until we take some kind of tiny action. The way the Chinese proverb says, the way is made by walking in it. Mm, I love right? that. It's like, um, that's really good. You can't know what it, the answer is until you move. Mm, mm -hmm. And you can't move unless you take that mm. first little step. Mm, mm -hmm. um, I love that. Mm. Overthinking is the enemy of our dreams design to keep us where we are. Mm. Mm. Yes. So and there's a certain amount, certain amount of obedience that needs to happen in the dream pursuit. Mm. 
to be able to see. We won't even see the options if we don't go, if we don't yeah. take a, a chance mm. at updating the resume or yeah. finding the phone number. Right. We'll right. just think about the the grand decision that's before us and we won't make a decision. Mm-hmm. All your overthinking didn't get you to move to start the Zing collaborative. Mm-hmm. Right? It happened because you took action. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the action of going to that practitioner and right. you didn't even realize that that was but it opened up mm. the whole new world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really so good. And part of me wants to give compassion to the part that's overthinking as well, because you know it's like mm. ideally those things can go together. So if if we're only taking action and we're not thinking about it, we're not reflecting. Yes. We could be flippant. We could be, um, mm-hmm. you know, we could just we would maybe not be as thoughtful about it. We would um, start a business without having done our homework. We would, you know, say we're a coach just because we had an epiphany yesterday, whatever, whatever it is. And then on the other side is like, you know, to your point, all overthinking without action, that doesn't get us anywhere either. We stay stuck. We don't do anything. We could be thinking about things for a decade. Um, so part of me wants to, to honor that part to say, it's not necessarily yeah. bad that we're overthinking, but it's like, how right. can we channel that into action, take the yes. thoughtfulness and then, you know, move that forward in service of the dream or the vision or whatever it is. That's absolutely right. Thanks for saying that. Because I'm not saying don't think. Mm-hmm. As a deep thinker, I, I would right. never say that. Mm-hmm. But I know when I get stuck, it's because I'm overthinking. Totally. Overthinking. Mm-hmm. Overthinking over action. Um, and I become like the Dead Sea. There's no outlet. <laughs> There's yeah. no outlet. It's just all these thoughts are just. Yeah. And it, it just becomes this cesspool of <laughs> anyway enough of the that. enough of the word pictures and the yeah, metaphors no it's so good can we Ugh. can we answer that for a second um i know we're getting to be to be at time but i think what you just talked about is something so many people relate to how do you catch yourself if you what's the tipping point where it goes from being thoughtful and thinking about things mm. to being in the dead sea with no escape like is there a sign or a clue um, because I feel like a lot of people might relate to that. I don't think I have a magic clue. I think my reflection on that question would be for me, I notice something happening in my spirit. Ah, uh, uh-huh. That's not healthy. Yeah. I get, and I call the, I call them the five D's, the killer D's. I mm-hmm. am discouraged. Mm-hmm. Discouragement is one of my big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and doubt. Yeah. Negative self-talk. Yeah. Those are my little, my indicators that Mm. maybe my thought life is a little too crowded at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. And I need to move. I need to take action on something. Mm. And usually it's a small step. Yeah. Yeah. And usually my wife, Amy will remind me of the small step. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't always go well. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm ready for it and sometimes yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, you know, mm-hmm. Oh mm. man. I love that though. And I think that's such a cool, that's a really cool observation. And, you know, I'm just thinking about other people listening who might be relating to this too, where, 
um, thinking is not bad. Um, thinking is a gift. And also if our thinking crosses over that line, um, into the doubt or the discouragement or, um, the, the other word that comes up as I'm hearing you talk is like deflated where we're starting to feel deflated. Yeah. Um, yeah. that might be the clue that, okay, let's get out of thinking land and, and do a little something here. Uh, yeah. Shift out of get that out place. of thinking land, <laughs> Just put, it, put it on pause for yeah, a moment yeah. and go do something with the thought mm-hmm. or the thoughts. Just do yeah. something, yeah. do something before you do everything. Right? Exactly. And usually the overthinking happens because we're thinking about having to do everything. Yep. At least it does for me. Absolutely. That's really good. Thank Mm. you so much for spending this time today and for the blessing you're going to be to my tens of listeners uh, (laughs) move forward to any podcast. Um, And the final word then is how can people learn more about what you're doing, how you might serve them, how they can buy your book? Mm. Thank you for asking. So uh, my my website is sort of my main hub for everything. So um, that is zingcollaborative.com, Z-I-N-G. Um, and there is information about my work and about the book. Um, and also there, um, people can sign up if they're interested for Friday Favorites, which is my weekly newsletter. It's sort of which, by the way, everybody, everybody listening, it's awesome. It uh, encourages me every week at the end of every week. Uh, really does. Uh, and it'll encourage that. you too if you're not in the business world, even if you're not an entrepreneur. Mm. It's just some great thoughts. Um, yeah, really helpful. So sign up for the newsletter. Mm, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so it's all, all on the website. Um, I'm on social media a little bit, but um, Friday favorites is probably the the most consistent way to stay to stay in in touch. So thank you for asking that. Cool. Well, have a great rest of your day, and thank you so much. Uh, good luck and blessings on this this book launch. Uh, I hope it sells hundreds of thousands of copies and brings uh, encouragement to a lot of people. Thank you so much, Jeff. And speaking of that, will you show everyone your little preview while we're while we're talking about books, which yours is hot off the press too? Woohoo! <laughs> there it is. The dream primer. Yay! I got this yesterday in the mail. It's my first companion to this book, which is a little bit thicker. <laughs> I'm learning to be less wordy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amazing. And yours is March, March 22nd is March 22nd. Yeah. Correct. And yours is going live April 5th. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. We should have like a, uh, a companion book signing event, launch event or something. That would be great. That would be very fun. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks again, Sarah. I really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jeff. You bet. Hey, fellow dreamer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, jeffmeyer.org, for all of the show notes and links. And when you're ready to move from overthinking about your dream to actually taking action on it, consider joining the Dream Accelerator community. Our clients are getting crystal clear on their dream with our Dream Generator Vivid Description 5-Step Process. They're discovering the truth about fear and how to use it as fuel to take courageous steps in the right direction. And most importantly, they are walking a clear path forward 
because they have made an investment in themselves to confidently realize their dreams. The results are so inspiring. Having coaching and companions on the dream journey is crucial. Remember, fear will come, fear will stay. Move forward anyway.